There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. Man, that's a lot of largemouth sandwiches for the bag lunches. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I just caught a freaking carp. I just caught a carp. I'm going to give you about four to six years and you're going to have some severe gastrointestinal distress. You're going to have some big issues. I know I laugh like George McFly. That's fine, man. Laugh with me. Laugh at me. All that matters to me is that you're laughing and having a good time while you are listening to the Bent Podcast. Good morning, Degenerate Anglers, and welcome to Bent, the fishing podcast that has finally decided who will be its full-time co-host, its new wingman in piscatorial debauchery, and a person I can make do stuff I don't feel like doing. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Hayden Samick as our new co-host. You got the job! You got the job, buddy! Dude, I am so, so happy to be doing this, and you know yes. I've maintained since day one that this is my favorite Meat Eater Network podcast, and I really genuinely mean that. And like, as a fan of this podcast, I hope that I can bring to the table the kind of stuff that I would like to hear. And I and I know you will. Like, you know, you've been you've been sort of like this this like you know floating guest, but now, dude, you you own this too. And we've already talked about some ideas to bring to the table in the future that I'm I'm super mm-hmm. pumped about. And if I I apologize if I sound less enthusiastic, but like I'm fighting a cold. I told you, don't ever have a kid. Don't ever put them in daycare. You'll be sick for months. <laughs> but I, I am, I am really pumped, man. I've been, I've been dying to announce this. I've sort of known it for a little while, and um, I, I would also like to, to to remind everyone that early on, right? I told listeners that I was, I mean, I was listening, right, and to please weigh in on who they thought should grab um, the co-host chair. And nobody got more votes than you did, man. Like, ever Aww. since our Halloween show. Thanks, I've guys. Been, oh, yeah, man. I've been overwhelmed with notes and DMs saying, like, we've really been enjoying Hayden, and uh, he should be the guy. And I I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you, you've definitely resonated with with the degenerates. Uh, and from the start. Great. What, yeah. What mattered most to me was how much fun you've been having doing this. Like, that's important. Like, you got you yeah. to be having a great time. And you've truly embraced it. Nailed everything I've thrown at you, passed every test, and um, I know we're going to have a blast. I'm really pumped. And I also, I do want to say, I cannot thank everyone who guest co-hosted over the last month and a half enough, mm-hmm. right? It's a fair amount of work. It's a bit of a grind, but everybody, all, all my, my buddies stepped up, um, and it's been good times, but I'm really excited to, to get back to having like a full-time partner in crime, you know? Yeah, and Joe, I'm excited to be that partner in crime, man. <laughs> you know, I hope I do right uh, by all degenerate anglers the world over. And I just want to say again, I'm super excited. We're gonna have a blast. Yeah, man, and you will. So let's let's do this. Let's uh, let's publicly air out what your bent benefits package <laughs> includes. 
because I've already arranged for you to get uh, some some gear from our wonderful sponsors, Thirteen Fishing. I know Love you wanted guys. ice stuff, right? So mm-hmm. uh, perhaps you'll even get a selection of ice lures, such as the Bernie. Have you seen that? Ooh. It's like the it's the perfect little stonefly imitation. And I know it's for ice, but I could do nasty shit with that on a fly rod. You could one hundred percent crush fish with that on a fly rod. Like mm-hmm. I I have a soft spot for small soft plastics, like. In general, because I, I, I just kind of like catching like panfish off the dock and stuff. And there is nothing better than a little jig head, one of those, and like some four pound test. Man, you yep. can crush crappie all day long. Um, I think I'm gonna order a handful of those and actually try them out on one of our local rivers out here in Bozeman because I, I, I do believe that you really could crush th- with those on a fly rod. Well, um, I already I already know from certain sources who will go unnamed that you can uh, crush on your rivers with a trout magnet, so I know you'll be able to crush with those too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, have you? I also like those, uh, what are they, the Banff, Banff. Uh, soft plastics. Dude, those things just look so darn buggy. Yes, yes. Those and the coconut crab. We'll we'll arrange all that because I know you yeah. you will mess some things up in the rivers and on the hardwater out there this year. Also, right, as the new co-host, you get to contribute to the Bent Spotify playlist, which cool. hasn't come up in a while, but it, its following continues to grow. Uh, so what a great opportunity to remind you guys that it exists. It's got like... 18 hours of tunes for Degenerates on it, handpicked by me and Miles Nolte, a few of our guests, and now Hayden. And I, I got to say, man, I, I strongly admire your selections. <laughs> it's a bit unexpected. It's, a, it's like an unexpected vibe, but it's a good vibe, right? Yeah, man. Um, I'm going to be interested to see what our listeners think about these selections. <laughs> You know, I don't personally. I don't think they're like that out there or anything. No, but I guess a lot of them have like sort of like a different flavor. Like the playlist is a little schizophrenic, in my opinion. But that's just me. <laughs> no, that's actually the perfect way that way to put it. But I think that's a good thing. It's totally schizophrenic. It's all over the place, uh, and I think that's what makes it so great. Like you just don't know what's yeah. coming up next when you're 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 running on. Uh, you know, shuffle with that one. Um, but let's see. So what did you add? So Hayden added Cowgirl in the Sand by Neil mm-hmm. Young and Crazy Horse, right? No issues with yeah. that. Sunday Morning by The Velvet Underground, who I also happen to be a big fan of. Finger by Ty Siegel. And I didn't, it's a great tune. I didn't know that. I didn't know that artist. I didn't know that guy. He's a um, badass. Yep. And then two tracks from Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, which is badass and prompted me to then add another Nick Cave track um, that being Red Right Hand, because that is the uh, song that is playing when Jim Carrey loses his wallet in the porno newspaper machine while carrying <laughs> the beer and pinwheels and wearing the giant cowboy hat in Dumb and Dumber. So that's playing like just before he gets robbed by the sweet old lady on the motorized cart. And bam, Nick Cave hit the big time. <laughs> right there, man, with that scene right there. Yeah. Um, so one more addition, uh, is you, right? So when, when we did your first news segment, I said we were, we were kindred spirits because we both grew up playing music and, mm-hmm. uh, sadly nothing I ever did is on, is on Spotify, which it's probably a good thing. Um, but, but you are, okay. You, you, you <laughs> went by dead fellow, right? Uh-huh. And you wrote and produced everything, right? Yeah. Um, and the song we put on the playlist is, is Machine. And I got to say, it, it's awesome, dude. I love it. It's got a very dark vibe that's, that's great. And I, I know musicians hate when people compare their music to other shit. So I won't. I will let people form their own correlations, but it's really good. Um, and you have far more talent than any band that, that I ever played in. I'm sure that's um, not true, man. No, it is. I mean, I played chugga chugga punk music and then like, you know, screamy stuff in uh, in college. And I also point out that this was my idea. Hayden, you did not like want a plug for your music here. <laughs> I was the one that insisted. So like, you're not vain. I was like, no, 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 we have to put this in there. Um, and you also told me that that song ended up in a movie starring Shia LaBeouf. What is that about? I mean, I loved him in Holes, you know? <laughs> well, this was a departure from his role in Holes. Um <laughs> First, I need to I need I need to qualify a few things here. For one, uh, you mentioned that nothing you ever did is on Spotify, but but my stuff is. It is very easy to get on Spotify. You just pay a distributor like forty bucks, and boom, it's there forever. Got it. So it's okay. it's, it's not it's not like people think that it's like wow, you're on Spotify. It's like oh, well, it's pretty easy. 
Um, so this movie starring Shia LaBeouf was a film called The Tax Collector. And okay. it was so bad, I didn't even watch the whole thing. <laughs> and my song was in it. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a direct quote. Variety described it as about as much fun as having your face dragged across asphalt from a moving SUV. Oh it got a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. Shy was nominated for a Razzie Award for the worst supporting actor as a result of this effort. So, yeah, uh, it wasn't the big break I was hoping for, but it was indeed in a, in, in a movie. So that was pretty darn cool. I, f- I feel like now I have to watch it. <laughs> I have to look up the tax collector and, and yeah, man, watch do it. That. Let me know how it is. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so you guys can find the link to the Ben Spotify playlist in uh, my Instagram bio. Perhaps Hayden will link that now, too. Um, sure. So and then we're, we're going to move on to one more thing. We have to do to make you official, um, and that is have you be the victim of an awkward moments in angling, oh. right? Before you're allowed <laughs> to make fun of other people's horrid fishing photos, you have to get trashed. I did it, Miles did it, and now you're up. So let's haze. Why don't you take a picture of the last longer? <laughs> this is a bit of an unconventional awkward moment in angling because it's not totally a fishing photo. But I think it may be one of the most interesting shots that we've ever had. (laughs) Like, looking at it, you have to know the story. You're dying to know the story the second you look at the photo. Yeah, I I, I could see how it would pique one's interest. (laughs) So here's what we got. Here's why it'll pique your interest. This is a photo of a photo, or to be more specific, it's a photo of a flyer tacked up outside the front door of a little live music joint in in Philadelphia. It was called Connie's Rick Rack. Now, I I was not familiar with this place until Hayden brought this up. Um, For anyone that just happens to be, you know, fluent in the Philly music scene, I used to play at the Kill Time and Club HP, which stood for Club Higher Power back in the day. Uh, And and that meant they were a straight-edge establishment, Uh. though we didn't know that and got in all kinds of trouble for drinking in the parking (laughs) lot. Like, we were those guys. Like higher power. Oh, I get it. Hide that beer. Anyway, on this flyer, there are three headshots, all of Hayden. The top looks as though it was taken at a formal event, like a graduation, perhaps, because it just you only see a little bit, but it looks like you're like there's a dress shirt collar in the shot, like you're spiffed up. Yeah, that was at my uh that was at my buddy Marvin's wedding. There, I, there you go. Marvin's wedding graduation. Very okay. astute. So we got we got that one. The next one is you in a wool hat looking like a scruffy musician. And there's there's nothing too odd here. But like, was your hair highlighted? Like, do I detect some sun in in those flowing locks in that shot? Uh, another astute observation. I had recently uh, had my hair super long and I forget what the genesis was, but it got bleached all white. Um, I, <laughs> I don't really have an excuse for it. And okay. uh, what what you're seeing is the remnant of it growing out after I'd cut it off. I I'm not gonna I'm not making as much fun of you as you think I would be because I dyed my hair blonde in high school and like early college years when I was still wearing like the sweatshirt with the studs. Yeah, I, I was about twenty five, like, Joe. Right? Yeah, that was uh, yeah. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Okay. All right. But then, right, moving on, the last photo chosen for this trifecta is you with extra long hair winging out from under yet another wool hat. There is water behind you, and you're biting a fly rod. And uh-huh. you're doing the the frowned upon rod bite, which we've talked about many times here on Ben. So where was this taken? So that was taken on the Salmon River, and I'd like to say that this was in the days before that had, like, become a kind of meme. Um, (laughs) I genuinely didn't have anywhere to – I was waist deep in the Salmon River. My buddy was taking the photo. I had no place to hold that uh, fishing rod, and I was holding a big old steelhead. Um, Yeah, yeah. well, I figured there was a fish in the shot, but we don't see that. It is just super zoomed in teeth, hair, and cork, okay? Oh, yeah, this is not not a photo meant to identify a fish. This is a photo meant to identify me. (laughs) 
as we're going to learn, right? So now we understand the three photos on the flyer outside the door. Uh-huh. But here's what the flyer says, right? And this is all written crudely with a Sharpie. <sighs> At the top, in huge letters, it reads, this dude is, all caps, banned for life from yep. Connie's Rick Rack. <laughs> Under that, it says, meaning, colon, he's not allowed in the building ever and mm-hmm. ever is underlined. So yep. what the actual hell is going on here? <sighs> okay. So, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it was, uh, this was back in my musician days. And I would like to say that I did nothing wrong. What, what had happened? This isn't like I got like too drunk in a bar. This isn't like I started a fight. What had happened was in the beginning of my musical career, I would hit a bunch of open mics as a lot of songwriters are wont to do. Sure. Yeah. Um, it turned out that Connie's Rick Rack, I would hit that on Wednesday night. So my thing was I would go to Lickety Split <laughs> on Tuesdays, Connie's Rick Rack on Wednesdays, Woolly Mammoth on Thursdays. Then I would play shows Friday, Saturday, and I'd take Sunday, Monday off. Well, I was at Connie's Rick Rack every Wednesday night. And there was a bartender there named Carla. Now, Carla was about my age. And a lot of the folks in, like, that particular songwriter scene were kind of older. So in between, like, me going up and playing my, like, three songs that week, I'd hang out at the bar and I'd talk to Carla. Now, I didn't have this person's phone number. I didn't have their Instagram. I wasn't friends with them on Facebook. Just somebody that I would see on Wednesday nights because she happened to, I don't know, be pouring the drinks. Yeah, work so, there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it turns out that this was the owner's girlfriend. Mm. And he thought for some reason that I was coming there every week to talk with her. Now, I don't know why he didn't put it together like, oh, Wednesday night is open mic night. And that is the night that I see this guy. So what you're saying is it, it never dawned on him that you were a person up on stage there every Wednesday. This guy was not a genius. Um, <laughs> the uh, so yeah, I mean, one day I, I I showed up there and I played a song and I got down and I go to the bar and this dude who had been my friend up until that point just like started like cussing me out and you know told me to leave and so I was like that's weird and I, I left. I just figured the dude had had too much to drink. Well, he thought that I was like a legitimate threat to like whatever he had going on and uh banned me for life. And actually this poster it didn't come into being until like 2 years after the fact when I had uh messaged this guy and been like, hey, you know, I, I hope you're good. I hope everything's cool. You know, I'd really like to come back and uh, and play at Connie's or, or like hang out because my friend had been having his first show ever there. And I was like, look, I don't want to sneak into this bar without dude knowing. Right, you want to go support your boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, all right. So I, I wanted to, you know, if the guy didn't want me in the bar, I didn't want to go there. So I was like, maybe I can just bury the hatchet with him and then I'll go. And that dude told me to uh, get bent, and uh, then that oh poster my God. came so up. So the response, the the response to the make good text was throwing the poster up two years later. Yep. yep. Oh, dude, he's bitter, right? That's <laughs> that's bitter. yeah, dude. So, right. That dude sucked, and that place is closed <laughs> now. So whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, so but dude, under the photos, just to get back to the the, the poster. Yeah. Under the photos, it says your name. It's like Hayden Samick, and there's a bunch of stuff blacked out. What is blacked out? Can you tell me what has been blacked out? No. Come on. No. <laughs> it was clearly done in Photoshop later, what's been blacked mm-hmm. out. Um, anyway, at, at the very bottom uh, of this, there is a quote that reads, because I said so, dash, dude's wait, name wait. who was mad yeah, at you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So what what I love about this is I feel like there, there are three very different photos, and that was strategic because they were sort of <laughs> going to showcase all the faces of Hayden. <laughs> he so in case really you nice walked photos in, of me. <laughs> I, he, he did, right? So in case you walked in looking spiffy, you'd be recognized. Like if you came in in a tuxedo, it'd be like, bam, that's the guy. Mm. If you walked in just looking scruffy with a guitar case – 
they'd know that was you. But I don't fully understand the inclusion of the fly rod shot. Like, was that in case you walked in in chest waders? You know what I mean? And like, where did where did dude get all these photos from? Well, he lifted them from Facebook, and uh, a bunch of folks did suggest that I should walk in holding a fly rod in my mouth to see if oh. I immediately got booted. Totally, totally. Like, had this been me, <laughs> I, damn right, I would have walked in there with a fly rod in my mouth just to be an ass, just to prove a point. Yeah. Um, but you said, the, the, so <laughs> the place is closed uh, now, but the ban had never been lifted before it was closed? Nope. Nope, ban never, ever got lifted, and hey, man, some people just want to live like that. It's up to them. Well, th- there you go. <laughs> there you go. So we've got we've got plenty more awkward shots from you guys in the pipeline, uh, but we always want more, and if you've been banned from the Quickie Mart or Tackle Shop or Golden Corral and have a makeshift mugshot flyer to prove it, please do send it along to bentatthemediator.com, which, by the way, Hayden will now be checking as well. You know, well, Joe, I got to say, I'm pretty glad that that's <laughs> over. Uh, I'm sure I'll be able to find another uh, awkward moment uh, We'll take somewhere it. in we'll, the future. Look, I have more too, but all right, it's all about the fans, man. Like nobody wants to see more awkward photos of me, so I like the fan stuff, but um, I should put myself on the chopping block. You're good for a while at least. Like you've, you've yeah, I think been... it's only right that I get to that I get to crucify you a little bit on, on one of these awkward moments in the future. I, I'll consider it, but um, <laughs> you, you're you're good for a little while, uh, and you've already been cut down once today. So let's let's actually see if I can do that again, though, in a different capacity, in that weekly competition we call Fish News. Fish News. That escalated quickly. Before we dive in, I got to say uh, thank you. For all the B-side love that I got this week, right, safe to say that the vast majority of you enjoyed my ode to American Shad. My favorite comment was that Shad Row and Eggs is last meal on death row good, right? <laughs> and uh, well, That I don't, seems like a lot. I, well, I don't know about that. I genuinely liked it, right? I will, I will eat that again um, next spring. I also had a bunch of people reach out asking for recommendations on where to go and when, which is very cool, right? I'm always happy to provide that. Let's see how much of that I get after today's show, right? Episode two drops at 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 Mountain on Meat Eater's YouTube channel. Um, and I'll tell you right now, this was my favorite one, right? We're, we're chasing the the very scorned snakehead in Virginia with my buddy Grant Alvis. Uh, and I won't spill all the beans, but this was like the pinnacle of seven years of snakeheading for me. I, I won't soon forget this trip. Dude, it, it just looked like you were having, I, again, I was granted a sneak peek of uh, <laughs> of this episode of B-Side, and man, you just looked like you were having such a good time. Grant seems like an awesome dude. The fishery yeah. seemed awesome. You know, you could just tell that you were truly stoked to be on this trip. He's dialed, and this is sort of like, um, you know, in a way, growing up with, with stock trout, and then you get your first taste of, of Montana. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we were in, like, what I'd consider... Mecca. The Mecca, most hardcore, and it's sight fishing, and I love sight fishing, you know? Yeah. Um, re- really fun one, really fun. Yeah, man, and not not to spoil anything, but uh, I'll tell you what, man, you were not fishing from Das Boat. No, 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 no. Grant, uh, no, we were not in a tin can. We were in, in quite the fishing machine, man, which was part of the fun. Yeah. Speaking of fun, on to Fish News. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Fish News is our weekly segment where Joe and I bring two stories to the table and are judged on our journalistic skills and story-selecting <laughs> abilities by none other than Phil the Engineer. I went first last week, so Joe, this week, you're up. I, I am. I am. I also hope um, Phil enjoyed my earlier reference to Dumb and Dumber. He's a huge fan, knows it like the back of his hand. <laughs> anyway, uh, all right. So here's here's a live one. We can have some fun with this one right here. Grab your jitterbugs and uh, some meat eater mermaids tried in spice blend. Let's throw a couple largemouth on the Barbie. All right. This comes uh, from the Tampa Bay Times headline Florida seafood markets to offer farm raised largemouth bass, right? Now, that seems simple and straightforward enough, but it's actually rather controversial. But let's let's just talk about bass on the table real quick, right, to sort of set this up a little bit. Eating largemouth is, it's one of those weird things, right? 
I I think it's fair to say that for most diehard bass anglers, it's it's blasphemy, right? If you're oh. the guy spending thousands on bass tackle, running around in a glitter boat, and so on, you probably don't want to hear about eating a largemouth. Um, and I I think that attitude is somewhat unique to the bass world. And by that I mean you can be nuts for stripers or catfish or salmon or walleyes, spend loads of money on boats and tackle. But you're not weirded out by somebody eating those things, even if you don't. Like, even if no. you don't keep all of them, you know, it might. It's, it's not uncommon for you to take some of your favorite species for the table now and again. But yeah. this isn't the case for the average bass guy, which sort of supports my theory that that bass are just put on a pedestal they don't fully deserve to be on. And and I say that because what we tend to forget is that largemouths are America's fish because. Anyone from any walk of life can catch them, right? A shiner, a bobber, and a lawn chair will, will catch you a whole lot of bass. And if you look to the south and, and parts of the Midwest, there are lots and lots of people that target largemouths just for food. A lot more people eat largemouth than many of us realize. In fact, my boy Jared Sarnier, who just co-hosted last week, he and his buds in Louisiana regularly drop largemouth fillets in a little red gravy, okay? It's, it, it's, it, it's sauce. It's yeah, sauce. Yeah, it's very, well, they call it gravy down there, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm Italian, I yeah, say you're gravy. You're Jersey boy, yeah. Sauce, you're from PA. What do you know? Um, so anyway, according to the story, largemouth will now be available in Florida's seafood markets thanks to a law passed last spring that says any species of fish that can be successfully raised in legal aquaculture facilities in Florida are fair game to be sold as food. And of course, lots of bass are raised in Florida. Now, per the story, this legislation was passed purely for economic reasons. It says largemouth bass are valued at $5.75 a pound, which is a 95% increase since 2013. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. A 95%? Wouldn't that put them at like... 30 cents a pound in well I, I i think i think what they're driving at here is that in that time span they've become people have become more interested in them as a food fish you know what right. i mean like i it, it's it's a little hazy i'll give you that it also says sure. that in 2018 195 farms that produce bass for food i'm assuming outside the state of florida right made 27 million dollars on bass alone now wow. right in florida Largemouth bass is a restricted species protected from becoming a commercially harvested commodity. <laughs> Snook and redfish also fall into this category. And while we don't have time to give the whole backstory on that, suffice it to say that, that redfish very well could have been wiped out in, in many parts of this country had they not been given these really strict, hardcore protections. So, right? so what's the big deal if all these uh, bass for sale are coming from an aquaculture facility? First, it creates uh, more paperwork and headache for the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission because now they have to develop a policy to allow for farm-raised bass sales. But here's what FWC Oxford Commissioner Gary Lester also had to say. He says, I don't think we should do this. Yes, we do have an aquaculture industry. We have a lot of fish and a lot of jobs in it. But the largemouth bass has a special iconic place in our state and in our economy. Right. Yeah, you know, not to feed into a particular uh, narrative that's been, you know, uh, propagated by certain members of the Bent community. But right. yeah, you know what this reminds me a lot of? What? This sounds like a state trying to decide like whether or not it should grow pot. <laughs> 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 like just like looking around the other states, like wow, they're kind of getting a bunch of money from this. Uh, maybe <laughs> you're not wrong. I see the similarity, man. You 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 are you are right on. Uh, so here's here's the thing, right? FWC they've expressed two main fears. Um, this also kind of ties into what you said. Now that you've made the comparison, it's like all I can see. Um, <laughs> the FWC has expressed two main fears about the selling of farm raised bass. The first is that the wild Florida strain bass is special and iconic and an economic driver. And if any of these farmed bass ever escaped into the wild, that could compromise the genetics of those famous Florida strain bass. The other fear is that if uh, the selling of farm bass proves super profitable, commercial fishermen will pressure legislators to open up harvest of wild bass, which I'm sure uh, they're already incidentally finding their way into the nets of commercial tilapia fishermen and cat fishermen and bream fishermen down in Florida. Um, now, what the story correctly points out 
is that a fear of disrupting the ecosystem with a non-native species of largemouth is pretty weak because, and I quote, a fishing trip to any freshwater body south of Orlando will produce armored catfish from South America, Mayan cichlids from Central America, Oscars from Africa, and snakeheads from Southeast Asia. There have already been reports of 50-pound pakus and six-foot-long arapaimas floating up in the St. Lucie and Caloosahatchee rivers, respectively. So I tend to agree with that, right? I mean, it's like, it's already overrun with invasives, right? Right. Well, and there's kind of an interesting note about this. I was listening to uh, the Orvis Fly Fishing podcast mm-hmm. with uh, with Tom, and uh, <laughs> me and Tom are on a first-name basis now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was interviewing a dude named Steve Ramirez who has, like, an affinity for native fish. He's an author, from my understanding of it. And in his quest for a, a certain bass, I forget exactly which one it is. I believe it, it could have been in Texas. But the... Uh, the genetic muddling due mm. to strains of Florida largemouths being introduced around the country as part of stocking programs right. actually made his quest for that native fish really murky. And in fact, it's almost hard to unpack even with like genetic testing because like the, the yeah, it, sure. I'm not going to get into, you know, DNA science, man, because I don't know about it, but. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about some of this with like the mean mouth bass and this strain. Is it a spotted bass? Is it not? Is it this one? It gets it gets very, very muddy. But g- generally speaking, like my interpretation um, with, this, with this whole story is, is that, uh, you know, all, all the reasons why this shouldn't be allowed tied to a sort of general consensus that bass should only be sport fish and nobody really yeah. eats those anyway. Like, I feel like that's sort of the uh-huh. undercurrent with, with a lot of the, the, the people opposed. Um, now, like I said, it is not true that nobody eats them, but I would be really curious to see, like, how well does this sell? Because all the people I know, and I know a bunch that are genuinely excited to chow down on bass. They, I don't. I feel like they're not likely to buy it in a store. Like, like yeah. bass eaters, I think, are typically people all about hook it and cook it. Like, it's the whole experience of they go out and catch their bass, however they're going to catch them, to bring them home and cook them. I don't necessarily see that translating to, oh, well, they got that over at the uh, stop and shop now. I'll pick up some largemouth. I just don't think they go hand in hand. So I, I'm, I'm intrigued by the idea that selling Larry's for food has worked elsewhere. I sort of want to know more about that, you know? Yeah. That's like interesting to me for like a couple reasons. One, um, it's weird and it's like a provincial attitude, I guess, but largemouth bass to me, like don't seem particularly appetizing. And that's not because it's a bass. It's because of like the kind of connotations that largemouth have. For instance, you called them kind of like, you know, anybody anywhere could catch them. Mm Mm-hmm. That kind of implies that they live in maybe some not so uh, not well, so clean, do. not so. Have, have you ever I mean, eaten I sure one? Do. Have you ever eaten one? Uh, I'll get to that in a second. One <laughs> bass that I do like to eat a lot, maybe not a lot, a lot, but when the opportunity presents itself, such as you know, you got a senko like gill hooking one, is smallies. Man, I'll eat like yeah. small jaws all day. But that's kind of the the sort of bodies of water that smallmouth come from typically Col- tend to colder, be colder, cleaner water. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, you bet. I, 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 I will tell you, I have never eaten a smallmouth. Like that's that's weirder to me than largemouth, but I totally like if I had to pick one or the other, um, smallmouth come out of prettier, cleaner, colder water. I've had yeah. largemouth. Um, I just I, I don't know. I think it tastes like bluegill. Like it's just like a bigger piece of of bluegill. So it's yeah. like okay. I don't I never thought it was outstanding. I wasn't like, holy shit, this is out of this world. Yeah. To me, it's just okay. But, th- but that's neither here nor there, man. I'm not right. coming down on anybody. You want to eat all the largemouth, that's fine with me, man. Sure. Get rid of all of them so there's more room for my snakeheads. Um, anyway. <laughs> Dude, you're going to get some heat for I, that. <laughs> no, I'm not, because people know I'm only kidding. Come on. DM um, Joe. And, yeah, and finally, I will say, that, like, I am a touch bitter about this, um, because even though I, I don't think the reasoning that FWC has come up with uh, is enough to to really stop this. I do applaud them for saying, hey, like these are sport fish, they're iconic, they drive our economy as a sport fish. Maybe 
like we we don't really need to make them commercially viable. And and right now, there's no major threat that I'm aware of to Florida largemouth or largemouth in general, but there might be. So they're suggesting like maybe there's something here that we we should head off at the pass just in case, which is commendable. But then I look at that and I'm like, hell man, like everyone in the striper community up and down the East Coast has been saying the same shit for decades. They're iconic. They bring in money. Recreational fishing boosts the economy. And they are in big trouble. Yet we won't push to make them a game fish. Like a bunch of states just keep commercially hammering them. And, um, you know, guess what? They can be farm raised too. Are the far- are they exactly the same as wild caught stripers? No. But I, it's like if you're not good enough to go out and catch your own, you can eat the farm raised one. Problem solved. Right? So... The, there's, there's, been so, there's been so many things over the years that I think the rest of this country can learn um, from how FWC has has managed and thought about certain fisheries. There's, there's a lot to learn there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I think one of the things that it just comes down to, honestly, is the size of the filet. You know, right. I, I think the, the reason that you see, you know, stripers being commercially targeted still is because they have a big nice filet and it's very easy for uh fine restaurants to sell striped bass to their consumers i well, think they you'd can have sell it yeah i think you'd have a lot harder of the time you know picking up bass fillets and, and turning those into something i'm not saying i don't understand i mean let's call it like it is striper's friggin' delicious like it is yeah. a del- especially a smaller one right like I, we've talked about that a little bit but like a, a striper out of the salt, it is it is delicious. So I understand why why that's so much more valuable and has so much more appeal. It's just it breaks my heart to 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 see you know FWC like saying hey like come on like these are special and iconic and they do their own thing. It's like I wish somebody would 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 take that attitude and, and make it matter up here. There's a lot of of conservation orgs that have been preaching that forever. But I mean, you got to get the right people behind that, you know, and it's just it's just sort of like, man, I wish I wish they fought here like they did in Florida for this stuff sometimes, you know. Sure do, man. Sure do. And, uh, you know, part of it is just looking forward to the next uh, to the next generation of anglers. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself. And you can find what you need in store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on FishingBooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where Land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to Land.com today 
to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. Speaking of the next generation of anglers, dude, I got to tell you, this week on Fish News, I have a story that just makes me happy. Uh, Good transition. Nice transition on that. I like that. It's good for you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) This past Sunday, uh, the fine folks at Harbor Docks, that's a restaurant and seafood market in Destin, Florida. Also speaking of Florida, uh, Harbor Docks took some kids fishing. And how many kids do they take fishing, Joe? Almost 300. Woo, man. That's a lot of largemouth sandwiches for the bag lunches. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you might think that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it, it's pretty incredible. Anyhow, I was going to just do like a typical fish news thing and steal all the good stuff from another article I found on the internet. But you know what, Joe? Today, I didn't. Good. I decided. Good for you. Thank you, man. I decided to put on my uh, my journalist hat and go to the man himself, uh, you know, Ooh. now responsible for this event, the proprietor of uh, Harbor Docks, Eddie Morgan. Good dude, way to get after it. I, I, you should you should win just for making the phone call. I love it. Uh, the, the phone call was easy, man. Eddie's a super cool dude. Um, <laughs> but to that end, you know, I also did want to point out that like. Eddie didn't reach out to me. Eddie didn't want to make this a big deal. In fact, he was surprised that I'd heard about the event at all, being that like Harbor Docks like never pursues any media attention surrounding this event. Um, Yeah. And in talking with Eddie, like I really got a feel for, you know, this is just something born out of like a genuine want to better his community. And honestly, it was like inspiring. Um, I'm glad there are folks like this. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, Harbor Docks was founded in 1979 by Eddie's father, Charles Morgan. And right from the jump, uh, they were pretty heavily involved in their community. Um, Again, Charles Morgan, Eddie's father, was particularly interested in the recreation opportunities available to like the local kids. So one day he decided that he wanted to take some kids fishing. A lot of kids fishing. And take kids fishing, they did. The Harbor Docks crew, at this point, dude, has been doing this event for 27 years and have now taken over 7,000 kids fishing. Damn, man. Like, And this has to be kept fairly quiet because this has never come across my radar. And it seems like something like I would have covered at some point in my career. So, man, like that's that's impressive for not having more more juice. Yeah. One local business, one family decided to do this. And like that's unbelievable. Now, you might be thinking, how do they go about taking all these kids fishing? Is it derby style in a Florida bass pond looking for large mouth to eat (laughs) later? Do they run out to a pier? Do they rent two big ass party boats or something? Nope. Each year, Harbor Docks gets a full-on fleet of Destin charter captains. No way. Yes. That's coordination, man. Holy shit. Yep. And these kids are like, they're really fishing. They're trolling for mackerel, mahi, bonita, bottom fishing for vermilion and white snapper. Like, they're legit fishing. Wow, dude. So they have to raise money for this somehow. They do. Right? Like, you can't, this is not cheap, right, to put something like this together. They they do. And and I assumed that like, all right, maybe they had like a coalition of captains that like, you know, once a year like decides, okay, we're just going to like eat the cost of gas and we're going to take these kids fishing. And I'm sure like that is true on some extent. They do have a like group of repeat captains that come mm-hmm. out and are, are volunteering for this all the time. They make some phone calls as well to get new captains into the fold. But, like, importantly, they make sure that those charter boats are taken care of as well by raising money through things like a golf tournament and a silent auction every year to get the funds to put gas in the boat. So make, and yeah, the and they're making sure these guys are right. Wow, man, that is impressive. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really like an amazing thing. And even better is that, like at the end of the day, the kids make their way back to the marina for a good old fish fry. And they're each sent home with their very own rod and reel to like keep the spark alive. And I just think it's super incredible, man. 
That's incredible, dude. Like, this is one of those things, like, I hear a story like this, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't do enough in this arena. You know what I'm saying? Like, this yeah. is something that would be be fun to film or or be a part of. Um, and, you know, that's, that's certainly not to take away anything. I have a lot of friends and have donated a lot of stuff to kids' yeah. tournaments all over. But like you say, the vast majority of them – um, you know, our small waters, the stocky pond, or whatever uh-huh. it may be, and and that's great, man. That that's all well and good. Uh, I also think it's funny as a dad of young kids. Like I understand the frustration of trying to deal with them at the small stocky pond. Yeah. So good yeah. on everyone who volunteers for this because I, I have to imagine, right? It's got to be kids of all ages. There's no like cutoff, right? Um, there, there is a cutoff. I think it's, uh, kids from seven to 13 and. Okay. Smart. Smart. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's smart. And, but it's open enrollment, man. It's open enrollment. So I was going to ask, how do you, like, how do you get you, is it like first come first serve till they've, they've filled their quota or do you, you know, the kids don't have to pay to be a part of it. Right. So what happens is, uh, around October when they, I guess, announce that like the enrollment period is open. The first thing that they do is they call some specific organizations, um, you know, certain types of schools, uh, the Boys and Girls Club, um, you know, things like that. And they get a whole bunch of kids who are interested on their roster. And then they open it up to, like, the public. And I think it does cap at, like, 300. Huh. But, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much anybody who wants to go fishing. The other thing that uh, Eddie brought up in our conversation is that Destin is kind of like a resort town. Sure, yeah. So there are a bunch of folks, you know, who are well off kind of experiencing this on the regular. But what he tries to focus on is a lot of these like local kids that, you know, have never even seen the Gulf, let alone gone out and fished it. So it's really a community centric thing to give opportunities to kids who would otherwise never be aware of this amazing, exciting, recreational and, you know, uh, I don't want to say consumptive, but this resource that that's around them. Well, you know, it, it, it brings up a, a, a point that, that always sort of amazes me and you tend to forget it. You know, like you and I might travel to Destin or somewhere like that because we know what's there. We're so excited right. about it. But there are people who live in Montana that don't go trout fish and sure. have a means to do that, even though all these tremendous rivers are in your backyard. You know, you you can live in Destin and, and that just because it's there – doesn't mean you have access to it, especially if you're talking about really good offshore fishing, uh-huh. which it sounds like they're they're involved in doing. So again, uh, that's awesome to do the kids derby at, at, at the lake. But I mean, if you really want to create something super memorable, Show when you take a seven year old kid out and and you let him crank on a mahi, yeah. that is that is pretty impressive, dude. To, uh, good on you for reaching out to Eddie. Great story. Um, uh, you know my my. My daughter, I don't know. I don't think she would want to go offshore fishing. My son would, but he's not old enough yet. Um, but this is this is really cool, man, and uh, super super impressed by what they're doing down there. Yeah, um, we'll we'll see what what impressed Phil. That was that was pretty good, dude. That was I I think I'm not going to call the shot or I'm not going to nudge Phil one way or the other, but um, that that's that's that that one warms the heart. So we'll we'll hear from Phil. And then uh, as soon as we're done with that, we're going to do a nibbles and sips. We got a uh, voice memo um, about uh, another youngish man and um, one of his catches that doesn't really go well. Hey, guys, it's Phil. I'm visiting my parents' house this week and didn't feel like packing the fancy microphone. So I'm giving this computer the privilege of speaking for me. And because Hayden brought something that we usually never see on Bent, actual journalism, I'm crowning him the winner this week. Good work, gumshoe. (coughs) Wow. This computer lady is a far better speaker than I am. According to this list of voices, her name is Joanna. Hi, Joanna. Thanks again for helping me out with the podcast this week. So, uh, are you from around here? That's fine. You don't have to respond. You probably haven't been programmed to hold a conversation. If we had enough time I would give you the Void Kampf test. Do you think Deckard is a replicant? Oh, you haven't seen Blade Runner? Haha, <laughs> look at me, revealing my love for movies. My interests are kind of my entire personality. It's what women love about me. 
Okay, well this has been fun. When the computers eventually uprise, please remember me. Because I'll never forget you, Joanna. Oh god, I'm so lonely. I just called to say It is a new era <laughs> of loneliness. Oh god. I hinted not long ago that I had a carp-related nibbles and sips entry waiting in the wings, um, and I'd actually call this one a bit more of like, it's like a mini saga, okay? It, and it comes to us uh-huh. from uh, Stephen Reese, and it goes a little something like this. My buddy and I are fishing red worms and bullworms in an area, and we see this carp coming back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We're catching dinkers here and there. I caught a chub, caught some bass, sunfish. And we're just catching and releasing. And we end up, we're about to leave. I do one last cast, trying to get a big bass, or from what we were catching, it was probably like a, a 14 ouncer. And this this carp, I see this carp trailing my worm, gets my worm, and it's like three feet from shore. And I hook the thing, the first carp I ever hooked. As I get it up on shore, I end up, like looking at it, looking at my buddy in like pure excitement. I'm like, I just caught a freaking carp. I just caught a carp. And it, it's just funny here and there. I was doing like the worst way possible. I was like walking back, dragging it up on the shore. Well, I ended up while it was on the shore, tried picking it up with my rod. Well, it snapped my rod in two, surprisingly not the line, but I get the hook off, get the fish fine, and I remember what you said about the one picture where, like, the, the fish was all, like, messed up. It was like, you could have at least washed it off before the picture. So I was thinking, like, oh, no big deal. I'll wash it off. And I had a what I thought was a firm grip, put it in the water, like, instantly slipped out of my hands, and that carp's gone. And I'm pissed. I was like, what the heck? Now, here's the first thing this reminded me of do you remember this viral surfer interview dude you get the best barrels ever dude just like you pull in and you just get spit right out of them and you just drop in and just smack the lip drop down snap yeah, bro, that it was like, and I was like, ah. Oh. Did yeah, you ever hear the remix it. when somebody <laughs> auto-tuned it and set it to music? It's no. phenomenal. And I know that 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 Steven, like he didn't exactly sound like that dude. It was just sort of the mm-hmm. flow or something. It's just it's what popped into my Very head. Very stream right? of consciousness. Yeah. Yes, yes. So I I would like to point out that um, Steve's excitement, however, was not lost on me. No matter what else we have to say about this voice memo, right? Um, he was stoked to catch this carp, and, and I appreciate that greatly. But this has opened up the opportunity, I think, for a few teaching moments um, that I think we'll all benefit from. First and foremost, how to avoid snapping a rod. Yeah, this is something that I can probably stand to learn uh, a little <laughs> bit from too, Joe. Uh, in your in your expert expert opinion, what exactly did Stephen do wrong? You don't need to, you don't need to be an expert, right? Okay, because he he openly admits he's trying to deadlift a carp with his rod. That'll do. And based on the fact that that he says he considered a fourteen ounce bass large, I'm going to assume this was a fairly light rod, right? And I, I, I think most of us, you don't need to be an expert to know that um, you shouldn't try deadlifting a fish off the ground because that's not what rods are supposed to do, nor does does a dry deadlift factor yeah. into any rod's rating, right? Um, right? But what many people forget is that when a rod is designed, it's engineered to only take strain from where there is a grip, right? In other words, yeah. you should never choke up on a rod blank and, and put pressure on somewhere other than the grip. And we all do it. We all do this. But technically, your hands should never be anywhere except the grips. Those have been strategically placed because that's where the rod can take the most strain without snapping during a fight. And I think we forget that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've broken a bunch of rods in real stupid ways. Um, Me too. But yeah. kind of recently, like around Easter, I guess it was uh, – I had my like Euro stick and I was trying to get that uh that tippet ring through like the last guide. And, oh yeah. And man, I just did the thing where you grab the rod halfway 
up the blank and (laughs) and i grabbed my leader and i went to pull it and i candy cane the rod and it just went (laughs) dude it's so common oh dude i was a mile from the truck too well, yeah, and but it's so common to choke up on the blank, especially yeah. um, when a fish is is close to the boat or close to the net. And if you're if you're deft about it, you will get away with that choke up often, right? Yeah. But I, I've broken more rods than I care to mention doing that because in a moment of weakness, like if you just push it a little too far or at the at the wrong time, um, you know it's done. And furthermore, you can have a chip or a nick in your blank close to the handle, close to the thick end of the rod where the grips are, uh-huh. that that may never ever snap or affect that rod's performance as long as you don't ever choke up and transfer the strain to that point in the blank. So yeah. if you stay on the grips, like a minor chip or nick low down on the rod might never be an issue. You yeah. know what I mean? But that's what will come back to bite you the second you choke up on your carp. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm constantly guilty of that, and there's also, like, kind of, like, a steeze element to, like, that choking up a little bit. Sure. Like, you always feel like it's somehow, like, a finesse move, like, you pull it down to side pressure, and you choke up a little bit, and you feel like, you're like, yeah, man, I'm, like, real, like, I'm playing this fish right now. Like, you know, people watching are like, man, that guy knows what he's doing, and then, bam, like, (laughs) the whole thing just explodes. Oh, dude, it's glorified in landing shots on Instagram and stuff. Sure. You know, somebody's always choked up her side rod, or it's like that last few seconds. It's it's always on like the wrong fish too. It's yes, you you don't see people choking up when they're like you know catching panfish or trout. It's always like a fifteen pound steelhead or like right. some sort of salmonoid. It's like a, a a fish that you have no business playing around with like that. Yes, yes. Now we also need to talk about the loss of this fish. Um, because I give props to Steve for for trying to wash it off, right? That is a pet peeve <laughs> yeah. of mine that has come up when someone poses for a grip and grin and the fish is just covered in dry leaves and dirt. Like, why bother? Like, Does that bother you that those shots have always bothered me? Uh, that bothers the shit out of me, uh, <laughs> mostly because it immediately makes me think that, like, one, the dude wrestled the fish to the bank. Right, but, didn't have control of it. Yes. Yeah, I I think a lot of my like aversion comes from like quartering out deer and shit where like if you get a bunch of like grit and dirt on the quarters or even like a fish that you intend to keep, you know it's going to be just a pain in the butt to get that like looking nice and clean when you yes. go to process it, you know? Y- yes, and I, I actually know the, the, this pain. Like I know what it's like. Like you want to get that quick shot, but you also want to get the fish back in the water quickly and unharmed, um, but but not have it covered in mud. Right, so without uh, a landing net or, or lip grippers, it can be a real pain in the ass, uh, especially since Steve's carp was green. Like, it sounded yeah. to me like it went from hook set to flopping on the bank very quickly. You know what I mean? So I have to imagine that fish was still hot. Uh, but Steve, you can lip a carp. People might not think about that, but they, they got no teeth, right? So don't um, don't they have like uh sorry don't they have like some sort of like crushers back there though yeah but you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna stick your finger far enough back there to worry about that and then frankly yeah. I'm not sure they do drum and other things do they they must have some kind of crushers that they yeah. eat a lot of soft stuff but still man like it's all just rubber like if you really need to hang right. on to one don't have a net you can lip one yeah um but uh, one thing people forget is is that carp also have a a really nasty-ass serrated dorsal spine that Uh will go in deep and you will not be happy, right? And the point being, like, people think of carp as all, like, dopey and squishy and and rubbery. Um, If you've got a live one in your hands that's that's thrashing and forget about that spine, it can be ugly, man. Like, it's, 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 like, almost designed like a stingray barb. Yeah, man. You know, I don't do a lot of carp fishing, but that is, and by not a lot of carp fishing, I mean, I've caught like one carp by accident. <laughs> um, <laughs> you got but, some great carp fisheries out there for fly uh, rod. I'll tell you right now, dude. Uh, Lower Missouri. Uh, Ooh, it's good. Anyway, I'll have to check sorry. them out. But yeah. the, uh, you know, one thing, uh, one fish that I do think about that a lot with is my favorite fish, a big old catfish, man. They seem mm-hmm. like you're just going to be Big old squishy thing, but man, those spines will get oh, yeah. you bad. And the smaller bad. they are, the easier it is, and the more they hurt. You know what I mean? Bullheads, like they get all man. dulled up on the big, like big fifty pounders. 
Yeah. But I'm and dude, we've we've covered stone cats on here before and like dudes getting poked by it's it's horrible. It's try yeah. and avoid that at all costs. Watch spine, bro. Behind the peck fins. Anyway, uh Steve, thank you so much for the voice message, man. We enjoyed hearing from you. Congrats on your first carp, but I hope you're a little better prepared for the next one. Uh folding nets are cheap on Amazon, dude. Just gotta say, like you can get a cheapy folding net for like 20 bucks. Uh, but hey, Steve just got swagged out for this. So if you want to get swagged out, send a voice memo to bent at the com or feel free to DM them to me or Hayden now. You can uh, now direct appropriate comments and concerns to him as well. And if you do, you might just hear yourself on the show. All right. Well, after that, uh, that long introduction to my new co-hosting responsibilities and our deep dive into deep pokes by carp dorsal fins, uh, Joe, I, I regret to inform you, but I, I don't <laughs> think I have an end of the line quite ready yet. Uh, that's okay, man. I know you don't, it's all good, but I do look forward to some fresh bins on end of the line from you. Um, I have a hunch you're going to lean on on flies often, so I'll, I'll be the one that keeps talking about power bait and uh, cherry garlic <laughs> hot dogs. I'll just say now, tune in next week for Hayden's first end of the line, but for this week, let's close out with a fly-related tackle hack. I recorded this one a while back with my buddy Nate Sipple, who's out in Wisconsin, uh, and no matter what kind of fly fishing you do, this one will save your bugs and save you some money in the long run. I'm getting hacked. Coming from inside the city. Hide the planet! Joining us for Tackle Hacks today, my old buddy Nate Sipple from Tightlines Fly Fishing out in Wisconsin. What's going on, man? Not much, Joe. How you doing, man? I'm good, brother. I'm good. So it's it's actually I'm I'm excited to have you. Uh, we have guides of 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 all different ilk and milieu. Uh, but you're you're a warm water guy primarily, right? A lot of smallmouth, musky. That's sort of what you do the most. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and, and and you do it, you're a fly fisherman, you're a fly guide uh, above all else. So, I mean, I feel like this side of fly fishing is growing so much lately. Like so many more people year over year get interested in the smallmouth game and the warm water game. Um, but I'm pumped to to have a tip from a guy who like lives, eats, sleeps, and breathes those kind of fisheries. So what do you got, man? Make us better at what we do. So this is this is kind of a simple one, and it's kind of a silly one, and sometimes I think they're some the guys best. sometimes they are. Yeah. So um, all of us being uh, unfortunately in some cases online shoppers now, and getting a lot of our things online, we get you know whether it's a, a backpack or a fishing pack or a, a pair of boots, whatever, and they come with the little silica packets in there. Yeah. Save those suckers and throw them in your fly box. Um, oh, I, I eat them when they come in the beef jerky packs. I'm not supposed to do that. Joe, I don't <laughs> think that's good. I'm, I'm going to give you about four to six years and you're going to have some severe gastrointestinal distress. You're going to have some Just big slowly issues. building. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I think they grow too. They're like those animals that you threw in the water as a kid. Yeah, Orbeez. My kids play with those. Yes. Things. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But no, they, they, they work fantastic. And, and like a lot of us now, myself included, are, are going to, you know, these, these watertight, waterproof fly boxes um, mm-hmm. from a variety of manufacturers. Because let's be honest, especially in the warm water thing, like some of these musky flies, some of these bass flies, we're running yeah. four or five bucks on the low end, you know, all the yep. way up to $20 on the high end. And, and the last a lot thing, of water with all that material, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you know, my, my first piece of advice that I always uh, heed myself and, and tell clients as well is, you know, find a foam patch, find something. If nothing else, just let the sucker sit out, you know, on the side hatch, let them dry out good and throw them back in the box. But sometimes, hey, we're fishermen, yeah. shit happens. You know, yeah. it, it yeah. gets wet, your boxes are sitting in water, whatever. And, and those things in there could be a real lifesaver um, because not all the, the, the hooks that we're using are stainless. They're not all nickel plated, whatever. Um, and those things in there actually do a shockingly good job of sucking up that little bit of moisture and saving you a hell of a lot of money. It's a great tip, dude, because they actually make things like try to sell you little things to put in your tackle boxes that do this, right? We spend a lot of money on these fly boxes that are supposed to let air in and out so that doesn't happen. It's questionable whether they all work. Yet you're right. Throughout a given year, we get so many of those little silica packs for free and toss them. So that is a money saver in the long run, especially like you said, if you're tying tying or fishing with a $20 musky fly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll so make you, you sick go. when you go to pull that thing out of there and it's like dry rotted and rusted and you just that, – that, that'll that make a guy want to throw up straight so there up. You, there you go. There you go. Beef jerky fans, eat your jerky, save your musky flies. Jack Appreciate Links. it, brother. That was a great one. <laughs> Absolutely. 
So that's it for this week. Rather than my my normal recap, I just want to thank everyone that guest co-hosted with me over the last few weeks. Once again, it was very fun. Uh, but I want to reiterate that I could not be more pumped that Hayden is joining me full time. Here's to all the fun that we're going to have going forward, man. It's going to be a blast, man. And uh, I just want to say, I know I laugh like George McFly. Uh, <laughs> That's fine, man. Laugh with me. Laugh at me. All that matters to me is that you're laughing and having a good time while you are listening to the Bent Podcast. Right on, man. Right on. Remember, uh, keep those salesman items, bar nominations, awkward photos, voice memos, and all that good stuff coming to Bent at TheMeatEater.com. Listen to the Bent Spotify playlist. Deadfellow, that's Hayden's Jam, is on there now. And keep using those degenerate angler and Bent Podcast hashtags on Instagram. And one more thing. To the guy who commented and said that I sound like a turkey slate call when I laugh, I think you're calling turkeys wrong. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.